The Other Side of the News is a current and dynamic companion to augment the discussions from The Other Side of Midnight. We investigate, explore, and extrapolate facts to gain better understanding of current affairs and events, and thus... To bring comfort and calm to our wide international audience. It's a spontaneous commentary... Based on well-verified references vetted through vigilance and discernment. Our desire, desire is to awaken your imagination with questions. Questions that have not been asked, yet need answering. The other side of the news is a place where you can come and be with us in community. Learning new things, asking questions, getting compelling answers, and interesting viewpoints. It's about curiosity. We present thought-provoking questions to incite your mind, propelling you to see the world in another way. Propelling you to see the world in another way clear insights and fresh perspectives on global events. Tune in for a balanced view of the other side of the news. Welcome to the other side of the news. Tonight, our show is called Weaponized Whispers, and our special guest is Mark Steele. And we come to you this evening after seven days apart, and really, we've got more of the same now, don't we? You know, it's kind of amazing to watch all of this unfold. Some of these things, in fact, most of them, with the exception of the Afghanistan debacle, we've been talking about for the last almost 18 months. Uh, this show is is going on, and uh, I'm kind of at the point of, hmm, when are we going to get to talk about something else? But we're still in the midst of it, but it is, I think, you know, things are heating up, and uh, the, the pace is quickening, which is a good thing. You know, we need to get to that finish line. So... I uh, thought I'd do a little bit different introduction tonight and talk about the things that we are experiencing. And it is amazing uh, what we see now. We've got, uh, you know, we, we have this uh, Lincoln, Blinken, and Nod running the United States of America, something that in our worst nightmares, most of us never would even have come up with. But uh, here we are with Lincoln Harris and uh, Blinken, and uh, we we don't need to go into how incompetent that guy is. I mean, he's he's a you know basically a refabricated uh, lobbyist. That's what he is, and now he's supposed to be Secretary of State, and we can see how well that's working. And then we've got Nod. Let's not forget the uh, Lincoln Blinken and Nod. We got nodding off Joe, and. Uh, his deplorable, terrible, despicable performances, and they are performances uh, this week. So, you know, he's still pushing the quack scene, and now he's pushing the boosters for the quack scene, and even the CDC and FDA are going, whoa, ho, ho, hold up there, buddy. You know, uh, as corrupt as those organizations are, 
they're having to say, hey, you know, this is this is too much. Uh, maybe they're realizing their gig is up. I don't know. But he's too, you know, he's feckless. He's demented. I mean, he's a piece of crap. This is Annette's opinion, but hey, I'm going to speak it. He's pathetic. And, you know, he's weak, incompetent, and his cruelty seems to have no end. His hypocrisy knows no depth. And we're, we're, this country is being run into the ground by a feeble, you know, pitiful idiot. So we look at this and, and every day we're just horrified by more lies that come out that are then canceled out by new lies within 72 hours at a minute, you know, the absolute maximum, actually. So we're, we're going through all this. And I'm glad that the ones of us can come together and kind of try to make sense of all of this on our once a week meeting. But anyway, uh, you know, when we're hearing that, that his military advisors advise giving up Bodrum Air Force Base over, uh, say, uh, protecting an embassy, that, that's insane. That's insanity. This is, this is nuts. And, and those who are still have our critical thinking in line here, we know this. So this is really something that we've never had to deal with as far as cognitive dissidence. You know, Blinken, we, you know, he, he, like I said, complete incompetence. He gives the uh, Taliban a kill list of everyone in the United, from the United States, every citizen and every interpreter, and uh, gives them all the information so that they can go out and hunt these people down. You know, we've got a Defense Department blithering on about how they're building um, 55,000 additional housing units for at-risk Afghans, while we have 37,000 vets in, this, in the United States currently right now that are homeless. And you've got to kind of ask, what is going on here? Uh, we've got a, uh, an officer, Stuart Scheller, who's demanding accountability from his senior officers. And for that, he gets fired, where we have uh, you know, Lloyd Austin, He's supposed to be the Secretary of Defense, who he really, really is, is a recycled arms dealer. Uh, again, you know, more of this oddity. We've got uh, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Milley, who's talking about he wants to understand white rage and his wokeness. Well, maybe if you were focused on the military, we might have done a little bit better or advised Joe a little bit better, since both of you seem to have been saying that you had no idea that this could possibly be coming. However, I spoke with a five-year-old and asked him, you know, put the three the three little pieces out there and said, which which would you take care of first? He said, you know, getting citizens out. That was a five-year-old, so I'm not sure what our our Joint Chiefs of Staff and our Secretary of Defense are doing here. Um, and you know, the worst part of it for most of us that realize what's going on is that this is a a fraud. This is a fraud in, in the pretendency. So he's in, he's pretending to be president and he's not legitimately elected. He's killed the military. And then we've got, oh yes, we've got Mr. And I'm going to emphasize Mr. Jen Psaki. I'm sorry, not Psaki. Psaki uh, is saying that the Americans over there are not stranded, that they're choosing to not be able to get to the, the airport, which Anyone who's got half a brain or even two little cells to rub together could figure out that's not true. So, you know, what we've got, what we've got here created is a stronghold for terrorism. 
We've alienated all of our allies. And we've brought shame, well, not we, Biden has brought shame upon the highest office in the land. And as Americans, and I know we have an international audience, but as Americans, this is beyond our worst nightmares. And it affects the entire world. It's destabilizing the entire world. And our allies are, you know, cannot trust us any longer. So it, it is a worldwide uh, event that's happening here. So that's kind of the, where we're starting from. And then I want to, you know, also point out that um, Joe Biden says, you know, that there's nothing wrong with the border. He's still in denial about the border. It's not actually a crisis. It's a situation, uh, one that they created, you know. And I wonder how much of this is a distraction. And all the people coming in, flooding in, all the terrorists, et cetera, coming in over the border, you know, we're, we're clamping down on uh, Americans for this supposed uh, virus that doesn't exist, this pandemic, and yet they're allowing all these people to come across the border. Clearly, this isn't about uh, any viral thing, if it was even real. Um, and we have, you know, again, the same thing happening coming from Afghanistan. And Afghanistan... They're they're bringing in they they they're bragging that they brought in 120,000 uh, people. However, most people don't realize that only 5,000 of those were Americans. So you got to ask who the other 115,000 are. And uh, I, I actually this is again my opinion, but uh, I actually think it's a big distraction to get us to look the other way from the audits. And uh, I will remind everyone uh, that. Fraud vitiates everything. And we are looking at the most massive fraud on every level, on everything that we're talking about, everything that's being uh, talked about, whether it's in the fake news or the real news, is fraudulent right now. So we're in a really interesting time. Uh, but tonight we're going to talk uh, to our guest, Mark Steele, and we're we're discussing things that have to do with uh, 5G, but part of that is this whole thing, how it works together with what's in those, you know, lethal injections that they're, you know, I call them the claxine lethal injection. I have a lot of names, Jabberwocky, a names for them, but uh, we all know what that is, that, that thing in the arm, the clot shot. And uh, what's in there? Well, that's coming out this week. And it turns out that a lot of what's in there, and uh, Timothy had done quite a bit of uh, talking about this in research about the, the metals and the magnetism and how that works. We've got graphene oxide, uh, parasites, stainless steel alloy in there. I mean, what are these things doing in here? Uh, transmitters, you know, um, we have all kinds of odd things happening. People are magnetic. They're being tracked. Uh, all kinds of things are happening. They're lighting up LED lights. That's, you know, I mean, it's just by standing near them. Very odd things happening, not to mention all the horrendous side effects. And they aren't side effects. Those are called drug reactions, people. It's drug reactions that we're seeing and people just dropping dead. And yet, of course, there's still denial about all that because they want to try to get as many of us submitted to their plan as possible. So, you know, I will point out, for example, one of the things that they're doing is, well, if you get, if you get the clot shot in the first 14 days, you're considered unvaccinated. So if anything happens to you in those first 14 days, it wasn't because of the vaccine. I mean, 
if you get the shot and you drop dead while you're still at the clinic, it wasn't the vaccine. It was, I don't know, just coincidental that all these people drop dead in these vaccine clinics. Hmm. Anyway, uh, as we know, we have the CDC, the NIH, the FDA. They're all super compromised. And uh, I wanted to just give you a little bit of data on that. The FDA receives 45% of its annual budget from the pharmaceutical industry. Hmm. The World Health Organization gets roughly 50% of its budget from private sources, including Bill Gates and Big Pharma. Oh, imagine that. The CDC is a vaccine company. I've talked about that before. It owns 56 vaccine patents, buys and distributes 4.6 billion, that's a B, in vaccines annually through its Vaccines for the Children program. Listen, that's not science. That's business, okay? All right, that's where we are. So it gets more interesting. We're going to discuss this tonight with our guests and how 5G is this very lethal and dangerous thing. We're going to talk about radiation, and we're going to talk about how this interacts with the vaccine. So this should be a fascinating uh, interview uh, coming up with our, our guest, Mark Steele. And I look forward to it. But before we go there, I want to see what's happening with our uh, my other co-hosts. And I'm going to hand it over to Timothy, and he's going to let us know what he sees from his side of the world. Yes, thank you, Annette. So one of the things that I mentioned in last week's show was a sound excerpt from a, a German translation into English, where... We were led to believe that the German government had decided to halt all COVID measures for a 14-day period and stop vaccinations for a 14-day period. We've since learned that that is not so, and there's less truth in that uh, in that, that excerpt than we were led to believe at the time, which is a bit of a shame. Uh, but on the other hand, the story that Aneta um, highlighted about Japan halting the use of vaccines for a period because they're finding all sorts of unusual metallic uh, particles inside the said vaccines. That is true. Another point was a one of our listeners very kindly wrote in and commented that, in fact, the excerpt that I had made about a Dr. Sean Brooks, PhD and prolific writer, we had a comment from one of our listeners who was not satisfied that the Oxford University that was mentioned was the right Oxford. Well, it, what we played was not untrue. I think it's more of a matter of perception than actually truth and lies in this particular case. One point which is very interesting, I think, which came to the surface this week, is the FDA uh, had two of their employees uh, resign. Apparently, they were regulators for vaccinations, and they resigned. We don't know exactly why, but it has been alleged that they resigned in connection with the an, a drug relating to Alzheimer's disease being forced through. Now, of course, you know we would not expect drugs to be forced through, but there is certainly a precedent for this, and actually a precedent in a presidential office. It wasn't so long ago that uh, Donald Trump, when he was starting out, wanted to investigate vaccines. And in fact, that was in his uh, sort of 
hit list of, of tasks to get through his bucket list uh, during his presidency. It came to light that uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. was brought in to discuss how they may investigate vaccines and uh, any potential connections to autism. And apparently this, this developed quite well for a few weeks. And also Dr. Anthony Fauci, there's a name that we certainly know far better these days than back in 2016. He was also brought in. And this, the whole investigation was kicked off and started apparently in, in sort of uh, made baby steps, but was concluded very quickly after a multi-million dollar donation was made to one of the particular funds in connection with the with the president, as far as I understand. So it, it does show that these things do come in waves and they certainly hit peaks and troughs. Uh, people are bought, it seems. It seems that the wills and invest the sharpness of investigations are made blunt when it suits certain people. This week also we learned that uh, there are headlines in Switzerland. Apparently, there was a headline in the Straits Times this week that apparently there is the potential for a new form of terrorism where terrorists, the dirty unvaxxed, may potentially hit vaccine centers to prevent people from being vaxxed and boosted. Now, that's the headline. And then you have to read three paragraphs before you actually realize this is based on absolutely no fact whatsoever. We also hear that Canada has just decided to go back on the masks as of September the 13th after a brief, a brief period of uh, free breathing summer months. So they're anticipating a new COVID lockdown. And one more point, which I think is very interesting, very revealing, is how the EU, with a population of some 700 million people, has just placed an order for 3.5 billion jabs. Now, that sounds to me that on average of about five vaccinations per person. Now, that doesn't seem to add up with the one or two which people uh, originally were sold. So all in all, there are a number of interesting points coming up on the headlines, and uh, we can discuss each one in more detail. But let's see how them, they develop. And over to you. I want to share with you a story that happened 245 years ago this week. And it is one of the greatest military evacuations in history. And it was led by General George Washington. It was a pivotal point in the American Revolution. And it occurred in August of 1776, where the uh, American army found themselves under siege and uh, they were trapped. They were in Brooklyn, and they had so far been able to defeat the British that were much better trained, and they were quite well funded. But the advantage they had is they were very agile, they were bold, and they, were, they could adapt. But they had gotten themselves into a pretty precarious position. They had sustained several significant losses, in uh, Brooklyn, and uh, Washington's army was trapped against the East River. They had been saved two days earlier uh, by a group of Marylanders known as Washington's Immortals, whose uh, courageous charge against the enemy had brought them a precious hour to make their escape to their fortification in Brooklyn Heights. But that wasn't going to last long. 
Howe, uh, that's the British general, had assembled a massive army and they were laying siege in front while the British Navy was coming around the back to cut off their escape. And they also were in the middle of a two-day nor'easter that pelted both armies and slowed their plans. This is really nasty weather. So Washington had wisely decided to evacuate troops from Brooklyn and retreat to Manhattan. The only problem was there was a mile-wide river, the East River, in between, and the watchful eyes of the British stood in the way. This is a story about an extraordinary group of men from Marblehead, Massachusetts, which is my native hometown, basically saved the day and rescued them. The Americans uh, not only had tens of thousands of British regulars and troops arrayed in front of them, but they were also up against three very powerful natural enemies, time, wind, and tide. When the Marbleheaders were the right men at the right place at the right time, they had worked together for years as a team fishing the icy Atlantic waters off Nova Scotia, and they had leadership, grit, and priceless sailing experience that would be indispensable in accomplishing this near-impossible task that night. The diverse unit contained men of all backgrounds, white, black, Hispanic, and Native American, and they set a standard for inclusivity that would not be matched again in American military for over 150 years. It was an amphibious operation and a disentanglement under pressure, some of the most complex and dangerous in warfare. So secrecy, discretion, and forethought were of paramount importance. Uh, First, the boats had to make the crossing, and they did not carry troops, but horses, ammunition, cannons, baggage. So there were a couple reasons for that. One was uh, Washington did not want to notify the men uh, that they were going into retreat because they wanted to decrease the likelihood that that, uh, the word would reach the British. And then Washington also did not want to inform them because they were taking away their ability to fight back. uh, So it would leave the retreat as the only option. The Marbleheaders had to acquaint themselves with a motley collection of sailing and road uh, vessels assembled quickly in complete darkness. Even the most minimal light from a shuttered lantern could tip off the British about the operation that was underway. So the sailors had to trust their instincts and nautical knowledge to guide them successfully in that mile-long journey across the river. And uh, the Mariners took extraordinary measures to prevent the discovery of their clandestine mission including wrapping the oars in cloth to minimize the sound they made dipping into the water. So they, uh, at 10 o'clock, they gave the order to begin transporting troops, and they moved the sick and the injured first. And then uh, after making the crossing returning, they started transporting the Marylanders and then other units that remained in the rear guard. And they did it as quickly as possible, and uh, the, the men did not know where they were going until they boarded the boats. So this was, you know, I'm sure quite challenging. Uh, So the weather was favoring the Americans. And after about two hours, it went the other way. The tides changed, the winds changed, and they had sailing sloops that started to be blown towards the British. And uh, they couldn't couldn't keep using those because they would be discovered. And even though they had all their sailing skills, the weather was so bad they couldn't control it. So they... they, uh, ended up just using the the boats with oars. 
and the weather and swirling river had placed the evacuation in immediate peril, the Marblehead men could not possibly deliver everyone before morning using only the road boats. So the general sends a colonel of his, William Grayson, over and to find uh, Washington to see what to do. Uh, because the general McDougall decided that, that a retreat was no longer possible. But the thing is, is Grayson didn't find Washington. And so and McDougall kept proceeding with the retreat. And before midnight, the fickle wind shifted again, making it possible to return uh, the sloops into service. Despite the wind shift, however, Americans had lost precious time and dawn was coming with it. And with that, the British Army. So at the embarkation point, uh, chaos had ensued and the necessity of returning to New York if they wanted to survive had become a reality and men started fighting to get onto these boats. And this enraged General Washington. So he found the biggest rock he could find and stood near one of the vessels and threatened to sink it to hell. That's a quote. Unless the men who had pushed others aside got out of the boat. Washington's gravitas and leadership immediately restored order. And that'd be nice if we were seeing some of that today. Uh, so the Marblehead soldier mariners worked through the night and accomplished an ostensibly impossible task, uh, transporting most of the Continental Army, thousands of men, nearly a dozen trips across the East River throughout the night. However, even this was not enough, and the first rays of dawn crept over the entrenchments. The Americans were still manning fortifications. For those that remained in the trenches, the approach of daylight brought the chance of renewed attack from the British, and if so, a certain death. But then a thick fog miraculously appeared and cloaked the rest of the escape. And the water smoothed out. So one of the last to cross the river was the commander-in-chief, Washington himself. And Washington's leadership proved as vital to the operation as the fog. The general stayed behind to oversee the retreat and encourage the men. The British troops did not discover the evacuation until nearly everyone was safely away and uh, this event was one of the most remarkable in the war and did much towards establishing the fame of Washington and the confidence in his ability as a military leader. If only Miley, Austin, and Biden had studied history. So that's my story from my hometown, and I hope you've enjoyed it. If you did, this came, these excerpts uh, were, I got from a book. It's uh, The Indispensables, Marblehead's diverse soldier mariners who shaped the country, formed the Navy, and rode Washington across the Delaware. And I put the link in the uh, my fast links uh, directly to the book, and there's also a little map there that shows you how this worked if you're interested. So thank you for indulging in my story of history from my hometown. This is my friend Lynn, who lives in Belgium, and she has just spent the last three weeks in three countries in Europe, and we wanted to get her boots on the ground view of what's going on out there. Hello, everybody. Um, I'm Lynn. I live in Belgium, and as Annette said, I just uh, had a wonderful three-week holiday in La Douce France, and I drove there, and so in order to get to the south of France, from Belgium, you need to pass through Luxembourg. Uh, it was about a thousand kilometers from my home. And so we covered quite a bit of different terrain, so to speak. And as far as 
obvious differences in the attitudes of people regarding the masks and all of the uh, mandates and uh, regulations. There isn't that much difference. I do notice that more and more people are willing to listen to uh, the truth, to the uh, alternative version of facts uh, as from the way they are uh, presented in the media. I do not wear a mask and more and more places uh, stop hassling me about it. And actually, I do manage to convince quite a few people every day to take theirs off. The French, uh, I do believe, are a good place to watch because the French are very committed to not putting up with it anymore. You must know that the French are known for striking for just about everything. You can't ever hardly have a day go by in France without a strike somewhere. The French are also really committed to their summer holidays. And so they never, ever like demonstrate and, and get up and take undertake action against or pro anything in the summertime. And the fact that they have been in every little town from the north to the south, the east to the west, have been demonstrating every Saturday all summer long, which in and of itself is very unusual and very significant. Some people I spoke to were absolutely convinced that uh, all hell was about to break loose uh, as French society would like reopen September 1st with schools starting and all the summer holidays ending and like the whole administrative body coming back to life. And there was a massive, massive walkout in every imaginable uh, sector of public life. And so, yeah, it should be very interesting to uh, keep a close eye on what goes on there, because, um, yeah, if everybody or like a whole lot of people decide not to go to work and not to uh, take any more of the crap, then, yeah, it should be a, a good sign for the rest of the world. And it uh, might just be the ignition we need to uh wakes and wake up enough people so that like the big change can finally come about as a couple of interesting little uh anecdotes on our way home as i said we were driving two dogs two people very small car and camping gear so imagine the hillbilly mobile going camping it was a thousand kilometers that as i had mentioned before I'm the only driver, and so it was not feasible to do it in one go. And on the way back, on the way there, it was no problem. We had a nice little hotel. The dogs were welcome. It was a decent price. Everything you could imagine that was nice. And on the way back, we had to spend the night underneath the moonlit sky because we weren't allowed into any hotel because of uh, the pass sanitaire, the COVID pass. Then in Luxembourg, uh, as we drove through it, the gas prices, by the way, all Americans really count your lucky stars because we are paying one euro and 85 cents in France per liter. That is a quarter of a gallon. 
Yeah, in Luxembourg, it's about 50 euro cents a liter cheaper. So, of course, I pulled over and got gas and also tobacco. Yes, I'm a smoker, bad me. I wanted to buy some tobacco and I was refused service because I didn't want to put on a mask. And as I'm walking out, I see them selling a carton of cigarettes and 10 packets of rolling tobacco to a 15-year-old as where the age of, uh, you know, where you're allowed to buy tobacco is 18. But he had his mask on. <laughs> so the absurdity knows no bounds. And uh, sometimes I really don't know whether to laugh or cry. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. And... Uh, Enjoy every day and enjoy your family and don't let the turkeys get you down. Thank you. Bye. Thanks, Anetta, and thanks for bringing on your friend, Lynn. You're listening to The Other Side of the News. This is Kinthea along with Timothy Saunders and Anetta Driscoll. Our guest tonight is Mark Steele, and the show is called Weaponize Whispers. Last year, we had the pleasure of bringing Mark Steele on. He's an inventor, patent writer, product development engineer, and head-up display weapons system developer, specializing in nuclear technology, defense, and energy sectors. He grew up in Gateshead, UK, and currently resides in Newcastle, where he is the chief technology officer at review. At an early age, he had an interest in weapons and weapon systems. He later invented and designed a variety of weapon systems that were marketed. This experience allows him to understand and know what 5G is capable of. He points out that 5G has been used on the battlefield since 1940s. Wow. Mark has been a technical advisor to Save Us Now since 2017. Save Us Now, a registered political party and movement fighting untested dangerous technology deployments on the world's population. Welcome to the other side of the news, Mark. We're so glad to have you back. And uh, it seems to me that the universe had some design and uh getting you to focus on weaponry from an early age. Did you ever imagine that you would take the stage in such a fashion? Well, it was, it was a bit of a shock. It <laughs> 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 was a bit of a shock, but it was definitely uh, universal forces at play. That was uh, without question. I mean, I, I, I didn't go into that at first, but I'm absolutely positive about it now. There's far too many uh, serendipitous uh, things that have come to light over the last, you know, the last four or five years. That would be it would be impossible to say that it's not universal forces that have uh, driven them to where we are today. That must give you some confidence and power to move forward, knowing that you've got the universe at your back. It's absolutely the uh, you know the, the 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 fact that I now know this to be correct is what allows me not to have any fear going forward. Um, ah. It was quite concerning at first, uh, discovering the uh, weaponization of these telecommunication systems uh, mm-hmm. where, where I lived. It was extremely concerning in the very first instance. And the, uh, this, these untested 
unregulated technologies uh, for safety that were started being uh, produced and distributed around the world to the general population who had no idea about the dangers posed from this technology and neither did the uh, technologies who were developing them because of developing them without any regard to uh, safety. Uh, there's, there's, there's very, very little uh, research carried out into the biological effects, the damaging biological effects at the, at the uh, under thermal impact from these microwave radiation emission systems. So that was a very, very great concern of mine because I, you know, a lot of the time I've spent in the oil and gas industry uh, where safety is one of the major concerns. And we're not saying that we don't have accidents. Accidents happen for lots of different reasons. You know, a number of events will uh, you'll end up with something very, very catastrophic. And we see that uh, happen across the world. Things do happen uh, catastrophically. However, what we're trying to do, whether it be in the nuclear industry or in oil and gas industry, we try and put things in place where uh, there are protocols and procedures that are carried out to make sure that these uh, safety issues don't arise. However, we always do. That's just you know how you know human error, etc., happens. The mm-hmm. problem that we have with these current technologies, none of these protocols, none of this history of research into the safety implications, whether it be nanoparticulates, whether it be uh, the 5G network, there's been no safety. Uh, and the reason I absolutely believe that to be the case, because they would fail. They would demonstrably fail, and that's why these technologies, electric cars, autonomous vehicles, the whole smart, smart grid, smart cityscapes, none of it's been assessed correctly from a safety perspective to biological life on this planet. I think Bye. that's where you. Uh, I think that's where you uh, first became concerned. There in Gateshead, you noticed that things were not. Right. (laughs) It came to your attention. I know last year you covered that in our show and um, you had a magnificent court battle and won. And I know that our listeners want to find out, well, what happened? It seems like the battle hasn't stopped, has it? The battle didn't stop. Uh, What actually happened, my local authority here, Gateshead Council, the Gateshead, they experimented with a, a 5G network that installed uh, single phased array elements uh, on street furniture. So the street lights, the LED street lights that they installed, there was two parts to that. The LEDs themselves were a 450 nanometer frequency, which is extremely toxic to all biological light. The LEDs were bare elements that had no diffuser. All optical radiation is a hazard, and therefore all light emitters have to have uh, diffusers. So these particular uh, light emitters, these light emitting diodes, blue phosphor coated uh, light emitting diodes, they're extremely toxic, and they were point light source. They didn't have any diffuser, and what are no, than to be. They've been designed as a weapon system to degrade to cause harm. The other part of that, they had the urban radar scanning technology that had been fitted to the uh, 
to the street uh, lights as well. So that was a bit of a that was a, a significant problem. And how that came to my attention, we had a number of people who lived locally who'd started to develop nosebleeds, um, skin rash. You know, they had uh, what we found out to be radiation burns. They had radiation burns on their skin. They had nosebleeds. All these things were starting to come to light in the gated area from this experimental technology. The council believed that the equipment was a control management system. In fact, they had been told it was a control management system, but it didn't take uh, two minutes to look at the technical data that came with the product to see that it was, in, as a matter of fact, an urban radar technology, an illegal urban radar technology that can backhaul all of the equipment in your home. So it basically spying. It was a piece of spying equipment. So the, My God. That's how, it, and, and obviously we we were measuring the radiation levels from this network in the gated area, and they were in breach of a number of different laws. Council of Europe 1815 resolution, they were in breach of the Social Care Act 2012. All governments have a duty to protect their populations from this type of pollution. Electromagnetic radiation is not safe. Uh, we have uh, laws to protect populations from uh, over burden of this type of radiation and none of these things have been adhered to. In fact, the council had broken the law. They carried out no health impact analysis, no environmental impact analysis when they fitted this multi-million pound technological uh, spying group to the area. I then wrote to the council with my concerns. We basically just ignored and then I started a campaign of uh, making people aware that the equipment that would be fitted in the gated area would kill them. So you're would, saying that that the council ignored the safety precautions and was proceeding anyway? Is that right? They broke the law to fit it. When any large any large project, any large capital project in British law, councils are obliged to carry out environmental health impact analysis, environmental impact analysis human rights impact analysis of any large capital project. And that wasn't carried out. So for them not to carry it out, they broke the law. Their rules and regulations state that that's what they have to do. Well, they didn't do that with this particular equipment. And the reason why they didn't do that, they would have failed. So it was so, a deliberate so, attempt mm-hmm. to uh, install under this UN Resilient Cities agenda for this carbon reduction purpose. Mm-hmm. Uh, this type of equipment. However, this type of equipment is biologically toxic and will cause ecocide. We know that the science says that the LED streetlights are biologically toxic for all life. They will kill all pollinators, moths, insects, small bird populations. Optical radiation is a known hazard, and this particular post-modulated optical radiation at that spectrum is extremely toxic to life, caused mental health problems, cancer rates in Spain. There was a study carried out in Barcelona by 20 well-established, respected institutions, scientific institutions, where they saw an increase in breast and prostate cancer from exposure to that type of optical radiation emission. So... If the council was ignoring this and proceeding anyway, it seems that they're in the back pockets of who? 
<laughs> you know, clearly, you know, it, may, it makes me even wonder if they're even human. I mean, because this would affect them as well. They're they're living in that area too, aren't they? What's going on? Of, yeah, I think a lot of them are, and I think that the problem that we have, we have a lot of these organisations, say in the US and across the world, they are corrupt to the core. They've been corrupted to the core. The judicial systems, the authorities, basically running roughshod over the laws that have been laid down over many, many years. From a safety perspective, this equipment was not safe. The council then produced a, uh, a press release that was put out across the world. They spent a lot of money on PR, publicising the fact that the LED streetlights, the network, would not cause uh, premature death in the world. They put out a number of uh, false uh, statements to try and uh, discredit uh, the information that I was putting out. And eventually, they then took it upon themselves to take me to court. And what they said in the court was I was a conspiracy case and I was frightening the vulnerable people in the area and that I would have to be gagged. So they, they, they tried to get a full gagging order to stop me posting the fact that, equip, that their equipment was illegal and would kill people, would cause an ecocide in the, in the area. And anyway, they took me to court. Uh, they got an interim gagging order because as they do, they put an injunction on me so I couldn't speak about it for about two or three months until we got into court. And that's when the whole thing was revealed. So they took me to court, biggest mistake we ever made. Right. Uh, <laughs> where they basically they falsified evidence to the judge. It was demonstrable. Uh, mice, he, then, he, he then came to the conclusion that they were fabricating quite a bit of evidence against me, basically committing perjury as part of this genocidal cover-up. Uh, and uh, he then said, well, I'm going to read Mr. Steele's skeleton argument. Well, my argument against the council was so damning. What I, what I proved in the court documents was that the biological weapon system uh, in these 5G, these 5G uh, single elements, and the judge said, this is a democracy. The public have a right to know the 5G risk must be debated. There has been no debate. So they disregarded the judge's uh, uh, sort of ruling in that case. We still haven't had a debate on 5G. We most certainly haven't had a debate on the LED streetlights. So well, are you saying that even though the court ruled in your favor, the 5G is still allowed to proceed there and still active? No, what's happened after that court case... I reported the crime to the police. The police uh, refused to investigate. Uh, I then, because I, I had, by this time, I had all of the documentary evidence of, the, uh, of this genocidal agenda, which was being driven by the United Nations uh, 21 Resilient Cities Agenda, which all councils in the United Kingdom are signatories to. It's part of this CO2 reduction policy to bring smart devices, LED street furniture, electric cars, all toxic, uh, not safe, haven't been tested correctly to be safe for people to be in any vicinity uh, of them. I mean, electric cars. Okay, you you just said something. Electric cars are also giving off this kind of radiation that's bad for people? 
absolutely like the cause uh, the magnetic flux field in fact there's a case in America where Nissan uh, there's a, a I think it's a billion dollar lawsuit where a guy has become extremely sick from uh, being in one of these vehicles and the I think the milligauss level it's not safe with two milligauss and this is the magnetic flux field of the electric motor uh, as you uh, accelerate and decelerate uh, in these vehicles. And he measured, they had measured, because obviously he became very sick, old case in America uh, against Nissan, and he became very sick. So they did the measurements in the car, and he's hitting eight milligauss. Wow. It's the same as the smartphones. The smartphones, there's cases in America now where these smartphones, where people have had them in their pockets, where they've become sick. And the standards have been broken. So the 1.6 watts per kilo standard, it is a standard by the FCC, in the USA has been broken by with a 500% increase in the radiation from those smartphones. So, you know, they're building these products that are toxic and that don't even fit the standard. So the... Um, so it took me to court, and then after that court case, like I said, I contacted the police about this crime, this genocidal agenda. Uh, they basically blew me off, uh, you know, didn't do anything about it. And in fact, they threatened me with with uh, action if I contacted them again. Really? So I, yes. So I then uh, I took this up with the Independent Office for Police Conduct, and I won the appeal. So I won the appeal against the police. So I have an IOPC case against Northumbria Police for non-investigation of genocide by the local council. And they still haven't. They told me, they replied to that and said there would be an investigation, a full investigation. There has been no full investigation. Still haven't taken any of the evidence from me of this genocide by the local council who are sticking to the UN resilient cities depopulation agenda. So the what I what I did after that, um, we uh, I, I, I actually went to the council offices. There was a media group from Belgium came with us, and I filed a letter before claim against Gateshead Council for the 5G network in Gateshead. We got to the council offices. Uh, we uh, we spoke with the people on reception and told them that we needed somebody from the legal department to come down so we could serve them with these legal papers. Uh huh. The the run the legal department. And this is all on camera. It was I mean you couldn't make this stuff up. Uh, all of the reset, there was three people on the section, they rang the legal department, the legal department told them we were there uh, to, to hand over this document, uh, this this uh, letter before claim, and the receptionist got up, they were told to get up and leave their, uh, their place of work. So they got to put their coats on and walk out. The next minute we had the security from the council came out and said, you've got to leave. We said, well, and I said, well, we're here. Uh, it's it's my legal right to be here. It's a public building. And we want, all we're here to do is to serve the council's legal department with this letter before claim. 
So right. then we threatened to get the police. We said, well, get the police, because if the police get you, they're just going to make me take the claim anyway, because of what we're on, you know, what we're doing is totally legal and lawful. We right. have a right to do this. And uh, anyway, eventually, after about an hour, to and thrown, and then threatening to get the police, they then had to come down and sign for the letter. So it was a total uh, disaster for them, a PR disaster, because like I said, we had a film crew with us from, from Belgium. We videotaped the whole thing, and that went out across the world. Oh, that's uh, wonderful. <laughs> soon after that, they started removing the 5G network. Oh, they did? They removed it. Yeah. Wow, what a spectacular win. Oh. So the persistence that you've had, that knowing that you're on course, it's so important that more people get that because it's that kind of strength and power and knowing that's needed if we're going to preserve life here on this planet as we know it. It, it really is inconceivable that... People who are even living in the area would be so, um, it really makes me think they're not human, <laughs> against their own well-being. I think the problem, the problem that they have is, you know, we've got very, these, these organizations have become corrupted to the core by self-serving, very, very stupid people mm-hmm. who unfortunately don't believe that the truth will ever come out about the crimes that are committed against populations across the world. This just isn't, you know, the, the United Kingdom. This goes right across the whole world. We have corrupted organisations at local authority levels uh, right across the world. Uh, we've got, you know, people who they just for self-serving. Uh, they're basically uh, fabricate as of evidence, they'll forge, fabricate, say anything to keep themselves in position. So... That's what we found in Gateshead. It was absolutely deplorable, but fortunately, they didn't want to end up back in court. The new, after the first court case, they didn't really have a leg to stand on. They don't have defence. This is what's really, well, interesting about 5G. Fifth generation technology, the main technical parameter for 5G devices is focused energy in air, direct energy in air. So direct energy in air, DEW, direct weapon to be used on the battlefield since the 40s. If I focus microwave radiation in air at the target, I can take out electrical communication systems, I can take out bodies on the battlefield. This is the equipment that's been installed in, and it's been installed across the whole world. You see, you know, we see a large amount of this equipment being installed. Right Overtly, the- I might add. Yeah, yeah. Oh, lockdown. Oh, you have to stay inside while they're putting up the 5G towers. Well, during the lockdown, but the good thing is the fact that we came across this early doors and I followed the, you know, some of the work that was going on in Asia a lot more advanced than what we were in the installation of this equipment. And the switch on a 5G in South Korea in April, it was April 2019, and it set fire to five cities. The five Day. cities, it set fire to five cities? Set fire to five cities, burnt out the electrical grid in five cities. There was a national emergency in South Korea. Uh, there was a very small amount of it that did hit the press. And that's how we heard about it. But the fact that we were following the whole 5G deployment, uh-huh. we were on it pretty quickly. 
where transformer boxes on the electrical grid were uh, burnt out. And Donald Trump actually set up the Electronic Defense Task Force in the USA to look at these, this type of equipment. And some of the reports that were produced weren't, uh, let's say, very, very helpful to the uh, telecommunications system. Oh, I, I, I really want to underline that because I had no idea that he had implemented this, and I, I would like to put a link in there about that. Yeah. So you, you said it was the defense. How did you say? Electronic Defense Task Force was set up. Uh, I believe. I believe I did a talk on uh, 5G and 5G as a weapon system. Uh, I think in some time in about 2018, it was very early on when we discovered that it wasn't a telecommunication system, but a weapons deployment. And I spoke at the Democratic Veterans Conference uh, in Sheffield on this weapon. And that, I know there was, uh, there was some uh, USA assets there. And I know that they had told me that the video evidence that I put out at that conference would be, um, would be revealed to the president before higher up and someone would look at it. Mm-hmm. So shortly after that, the EDTF was actually set up, where they started looking at you know some of this domestic smart secret militarized armaments and residential technology equipment uh, to ascertain you know what what I was actually talking about. Well, yeah, if you could uh, send me information so I could put up something like that in your links, that would be great too. That would be great. Yeah, I'll send you the. I'll, I can send you the ATTF document. Okay. Yeah. Wonderful, wonderful. So what I'm seeing here is, you know, as you're describing this, I'm thinking of mold. You know, like people talk about black mold in their home. Like this mold is all around the world and been subtly in creeping into every, every aspect, aspect of our creeping into every aspect of our life. And I'm so grateful that there's someone like you with the expertise that you with the expertise that you have that can illuminate that for the the layperson who has no idea what's going on or even how even if they had an inkling of what's going on would have no idea how to approach it. So your weapons Training uh, expertise is so important on the front line here of this battle. Well, the uh, quite one of the one of the interesting things, you know, I've been over the target for quite a quite a number of years. And I got a lot of flack when I discovered the you know the Grenf- the Grenfell Tower fire in London, which was horrendous. Um, that was caused by smart meter installation. Um, I wasn't really sure at first know anything about it, but I actually put a push because we knew that multiple occupancy and small meters were problematic due to the microwave radiation and that some of the devices some of the devices uh, were we could possibly set fire to other electrical equipment in the buildings. Mm-hmm. And it seemed that in the USA there was a lot of reports of small meters bursting into flames and uh, fires on ha- houses on fire and properties on fire. As it rush this technology, it's not safe, untested, unregulated. And obviously, if you rush technology, you're going to have problems with it. And that's exactly what we've, what we've witnessed. So when the Grenfell Tower fire 
uh, you know, happened. I posted on a um, on the Brentford Tower poster, and I just put you know the comment and off the cuff comment. I wonder if it was smart, and I got trolled to death. Got death you got trolled for for telling the truth. <laughs> Death threats, the whole thing. Well, when you're over the target, you get a lot of flack. And that's when I really started investigating what had actually happened. And what had actually happened, the cladding on the building, which was the, you know, which was the most dangerous uh, thing, had actually been uh, charged but with a smart meter. these multiple light wave radiation emitters, smart devices in the building. You know, if you go into multiple occupancy, lots of people got Wi-Fi on, go and have a look. And multiple occupants, and you'll see all your neighbors' Wi Fi. Well, that's microwave radiation. And the smart emissions, these sub gigahertz, were actually the energy was being trapped within the two aluminium plates mm. in the fabric. And the expanded polystyrene internally was then gassing off. So it was basically breaking down the hydrocarbon expanded polystyrene. So when you had an ignition, whole buildings went up like the. Um, like the Roman talk, and we saw that, we witnessed that, we saw the images, it was a, the ferocity of that fire it looked as if there'd been an accelerant had been introduced into that building, and obviously the accelerant was the cladding with the expanded polystyrene that was being, already been broken down by the electromagnetic radiation from the small meters. Uh-huh. That's what caused the, the fire. The year before at Grenfell, the council had actually had to pay all of the residents an ex-gratia payment because the smart installation had been set in fire to the appliances. So all that evidence was there to show, as a matter of fact, that the, 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 contribute, the major contributing factor to that disaster so what did your fire department say? The fire department that was, did they, were they telling the truth or are they in on this as well? The fire, the, the fire department were all sworn under the Official Secrets Act. They weren't allowed to speak about it. And the reason they weren't allowed to speak about it, there were hundreds of people in that multiple occupancy that just vaporized after that fire. Oh, and no. They didn't want that to come out into the public domain. So they were uh, signed up the Official Secrets Act. Uh, and therefore, the information never came out. Oh, how tragic. Listen, I'm so fascinated with this conversation. You are listening to The Other Side of the News. Our amazing guest is Mark Steele. Our show is called Weaponized Whispers, and we shall return. It's funny because I think, you know, I went through my crazy phase where I made mistakes before the internet and before social media and before any of this. Whereas now you can't do that. There's no such thing. So like you're saying about black and white and what it does is it stops people expressing themselves. People are too frightened. It's like, you know, I want to say something, but if, what if I use the wrong term? But I remember a story a couple of years ago where Benedict Cumberbatch, who at the time was a darling in the media's eyes, was complaining about the disparity between the treatment of um, black actors and of white actors. And, and he was sticking up and saying, you know, they're not getting paid as well. They're not getting the jobs that they should be getting. And they're being, there is no equality. But what he said was there isn't equality for colored actors. 
well, you've said colored there, Benedict. You can't do that. And so they went for him and he was vilified and he had to come out and do a big apology. Now, what it was, it was, it was a slip of the tongue. He's obviously not racist. He's actively trying to say that there is discrimination and he's trying to stick up for that community, but he was vilified and attacked. And that's what happens now. And so when people make their mistakes now, they make their mistakes on the internet. They make their mistakes on social media where they're screenshotted forever. And so I think that's all part of the conditioning that people are frightened. You know, if you're in a position where I don't know what to say, I don't know what to say, in the end, you'll go, well, I won't say anything then. The fallout of this is going to be extraordinary with that because people don't realize, you know, when you, 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 you're phoning up the police and grassing on your neighbors and when all this ends, they're still going to be your neighbors and you're still going to have to live next door to them. And good luck with that. Hello, everyone. My name's Gareth Ike. It's been a pleasure to talk on the other side of the news. Fantastic conversation with Kinthea, Timothy and Annetta. And I wish you all the best with a fantastic podcast. Richard C. Hoagland here. I'd like you to support The Other Side of Midnight by subscribing to Club 19.5 and thereby joining our unique and growing radio community. Tune in to listen to our fascinating guests, pioneers on the out-there edge of science and thought, and gain access to exclusive member benefits. To do this, just visit our website, theothersideofmidnight.com, and click on the Join Club 19.5 link in the navigator bar or in the left-hand column. Membership costs $19.95 per month. That's 33 tetrahedral cents a day. I mean, it's the price of a couple of cups of coffee. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to this show and literally hundreds of previous shows on hundreds of different topics going back to 2015 that we have done. Our archive shows have the commercials removed, and you'll be able to download the MP3 files directly from the 19-point archives if you prefer. To enhance your listener experience, a new The Other Side of Midnight podcast is being added to all show pages, which will allow you to instantly search the show archives of Radio with Pictures, thus easily accessing the corresponding show. Plus, you can just as quickly access the entire podcast list when you're on the go. I want to personally thank all our Club 19.5 members because without your continuing support, this show would literally not be on the air. Please continue supporting the broadcast to provide you with the most interesting conversation available, talk radio at the cutting edge of science and thought, and if you like what you hear on the other side of midnight, tell your friends and continue growing the show by having them subscribe to Club 19.5 as well, because we need all of you. And when I say we need you, you're the reason we're doing all this. Hoagland, over and out. Welcome back to the other side of the news. And this evening, our show is titled Weaponized Whispers. And our guest, Mark Steele, has been telling us about amazing stuff uh, about his uh experiences in court and his using his knowledge of uh, the weaponization of these technologies 
Uh, so the worst nightmare in the world would be to bring someone like that into court and get public exposure, which is precisely how they shot their own feet off, as we would say over here in the States. I'm not sure in the rest of the world what we say, but that's what we say here. Bad, bad move. So uh, I actually had wanted to go into a few things, but right now I think I think that one of the big questions a lot of us have is how is this relating to the current pandemic that we have? And you know, how is 5G related? We had discussed this in previous shows over a year ago about um, the connection. And I remember at the time, many of our guests were very reticent to uh, make that connection. And now pretty much everybody's coming forward and talking about it. And who better to explain that than Mark? So what would you say, Mark, on that? Well, first and foremost, electromagnetic radiation is an immune system suppressor. And at certain frequencies, uh, and activates uh, a number of different what what are called viruses, or basically it's just polluting the atmosphere where you then produce what is exhibited as a virus. So the uh, the main blanket coverage for 5G across the West is a sub gigahertz uh, blanket coverage. It's for the urban radar. Now, in that, in that bandwidth, that spare part of the spectrum, I can activate the Clipsella pneumoniae pathogen, which is a pathogen that everybody carries in the gut, and it causes severe pneumonia. There are other frequencies that can be used uh, to activate uh, other pathogens that then exhibit as viruses that are well known uh, in the science. So anybody who says that 5G is not interconnected with this sickness are incorrect. What's absolutely uh, damning is the evidence of people who've been vaccinated with flu vaccines that were contaminated with metal contaminants. Flu vaccines, uh, tungsten in particular, aluminium tungsten, but tungsten in particular was one of the larger pollutants. There's no pharmacological reason to put tungsten in a vaccine. Uh, those tungsten nanoparticulates were the major contributing factor in a number of vaccines that have been produced over the last few years. And what we saw in northern Italy was post-mortems carried out on people who were suffering pulmonary edema, which basically flooding in the lung, um, a bit like what you, you get with altitude sickness. We had people who had coagulation of the blood and fibrosis of the lung. They are all microwave radiation pollution symptoms. And the increase where this affected people who actually had flu vaccines uh, because the metal nanocontaminants increase the toxicity of the radiation. If you think about it like this, these are vibrational waves. They actually carry data for so the modulated. It's what's called quadrature amplitude modulation. That's where you put the data. So these complex waveforms, totally unnatural, uh, man-made waveforms, when they vibrate, these nanoparticulates, you can imagine having these nanoparticulates inside the body, near cells, in cells, and when you vibrate them, then obviously you're going to cause catastrophic damage to anybody's body, and that's what we saw with the post-mortems that were carried out. We will have to remember that when this whole pandemic started, the 
WHO and other governments around the world demanded that there be no post-mortems. Uh, those post-mortems got carried out, unfortunately, for the cult members. And it became pretty obvious that what people were dying of was radiation sickness and not a virus. And we have evidence from you know, people out at ICUs in New York who have Dr. Robert Young's report on this. And we also had a number of scientific documents produced to show the link between the hygiene network and this, what they call coronavirus um, uh, outbreak. Now, a corona is the electrical discharge uh, from a 5G mask because you know how 5G masks are being formed. Uh, so they're basically just send out a beam form. And the corona, well, it's actually called a corona. The edge of the beam wheel is actually called a corona. So, uh, you know, I mean, people are saying there's not a link there. Well, there's a direct link in the name alone. Yes, uh, they, they, they do love to play word games, don't they? Word games, exactly. Well, the cult members absolutely love to play word games. They have to, see, they have to really tell you what's going on. Because the only people who are going to survive this are the ones that have the knowledge. And it's lack of knowledge that will see people, uh, well, I think it's in, in prophecy, isn't it? It states uh, through lack of knowledge, my people will die. Uh, well, that's exactly what's happening. The people that don't have the knowledge will die because they're getting this vaccination. Get these vaccinations which are contaminated with significant amounts of nanoparticle contaminants metal contaminants, and if I put you in a microwave radiation field which they've already built into these cityscapes, you're going to die. Some of the COVID-19 vaccines have antennas. They've got fractal antennas that were developed by DARPA, DOD projects, which I knew quite a bit about. And they've injected them in people, and that's why you can get people who have become magnetised from these um from these vaccinations. Well, that magnetization of the body, can you imagine when I disrupted with an electromagnetic radiation post-modulated frequency from a 5G network? Well, I'm going to target acquire you and I'm going to kill you. This technology came from the tracking of what's called wetware on the battlefield. So biological structures, very difficult to see with this type of phase that we laid off 5G very typically uh, track and trace with the 5G network. However, once I fill you full of nanometal contaminants or I put one of these fractal antennas in you, then I can actually target acquire you. I can monitor your life uh, vitals. Uh, I can monitor your heart rate, etc., and basically switch you off at any time. So this is what the plan is. They're going to give everybody, as many people as possible, these vaccinations. That's why they're desperate to get as many people vaccinated as possible, they can then control you and switch you off at will. Right. So the, we've seen, uh, I've, I've put up postings about this. And stuff. We've seen this uh, a Russian guy on the dark web. He's showing the tracking of these fractal antennas on people. And they're, they're actually uh, showing their location, if they're sleeping, if they're having sex, what their blood pressure is, everything. Right. Um, and, I also want to bring up something else, and I'm, I'm just curious. Uh, I've, I've got so many questions here, but I, I want to do this one before I forget. And that is, what do you see as far as the connection, or is there a connection that you see 
about the thing with the mm, what the MK Ultra is being casually called as the voice of God. Like, in other words, mind control, thought control with this. Do you see that connection or is that something separate from this? So, no, no, it's all in the connected. All of these technologies uh, go back many, many years. We've been working on this this uh, genocidal plot for a significant number of years. So they're all interconnected. It's a bit like Brain Bomb. Brain Bomb uh, started its life as a, a, a sort of a, a, a psychological um, control of large proportions of the population. It's a human control. Um, it then developed itself into HARP, which HARP we know is a, is a weather, weather multiplication weapon. It's a weather multiplication weapon system. However, it also has another purpose, like all weapons, small arms. Small arms have a butt. They also carry a bayonet. Some carry uh, a grenade launcher and an all-fire bullet. Because you don't just carry a weapon that has one purpose into a battle. So, lights of harp, harp, whether it, its main function is uh, whether multiplication weaponry, uh, but the also has the also the, the, the effect of the neurological toxicity where it can subdue large proportions of the population, basically by you know just subduing the, uh, the normal. Uh, functions from normal neurological function. And you, you can't speak to people and put thought in their head. And that's always been around for quite a number of years. Um, and obviously, with this mass, this mass deployment of these weapons, it just all depends what they're programmed to do. You know, it, it all depends on the equipment in place can be manipulated and changed quite easily depending on what sort of uh, software characteristics you have uh, used with it. Okay, yeah, because the reason I was asking is I actually have had this experience twice now, once about three months ago, which uh, is, is really interesting because uh, it was the, the voice, and it wasn't really a voice, but it was like a thought. And uh, it was telling me that I should just go get the vaccine, that I should, uh, that it would be much easier, my life would be better, why am I fighting this so hard, blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. And if anyone knows me at all, they know that that's the antithesis of what I actually think. So I thought, you know, finally, after three or four days of this, I, I was like, wait a minute, where is this coming from and what is this? And I went through a whole process of kind of clearing that from my mind. And then I had it happen again um, only about three weeks ago. This time I was very, very ill. And the, the voice was saying, well, you should just, you know, give up. and Life's never going to get any better. And just, you know, give up and die, basically. That was, it was, you know, these are very negative. And I'm like, oh, is this, what is this? You know, is this, uh, you know, you, you start to get into, we know we're in a spiritual warfare. So is it, is, is it directly from, the uh, frequencies they're putting in, is it MK Ultra? Is it, I mean, is, is, am I susceptible because I have metal toxicity? Because I think we all do, even, you know, mm. just because they we've got chemtrails and our water and we've got, uh, you know, in, in our food. I've, I found magnetic meat, by the way, not intentionally. Somebody brought me meat and, and I think, um, I think uh, it's up on the, or Cynthia's putting it up on the, the page on our, under my items. So that's me talking about the meat there, showing it. 
Um, yeah, and what are they doing, by the way, to the meat? That's another question I have, um, our food supply, but we'll come to that in a minute. But to, yeah, this whole thing, it's like, what makes people susceptible is, is the question I had. And I think you're answering that to a great degree, that by getting these vaccines, these quaxines, you know, they're increasing their uh, metal load, which makes it even easier to communicate it. And they have these little uh, fractal antennas, which makes it super easy, right? I mean, am I getting that correct? Well, it's the, the trick that obviously it is a spiritual war. Uh, and the, what, what they're really after, the cult need people to tacitly agree. Mm-hmm. Okay. The, the creator, the creator, obviously, your DNA is actually an antenna that talks to source. Over the you know many many years you know we've been trying to poison us for years we have a resilience to that so we get a, a, an upgrade you know basically an upgrade uh, through your DNA which acts as an antenna to source the vaccinations the COVID nineteen vaccinations the mRNAs they actually destroy that DNA that DNA antenna they change it. And therefore, you stop talking to source. That's how you're not going to be able to get the upgrade. It's how you're not going. It's how it's going to take down your immune system. Mm-hmm. So you will not. You will be uh, attacked using these other live pathogens that they're now starting to bring into the schools. That they're bringing what's called a flu mist into the schools with live pathogen in. Uh, they have H1N1, and they have uh, H3N2 a number of other uh, type strain pathogens in these flu mists are going to give to the children in the schools in September. Now, once the spray those children with those live pathogens, they're going to weaponize the children. The children, children then will go back into uh, their own sort of, you know, locality where you've got older people who foolishly took a biological chemical weapon, not a vaccine. They will uh, then die from exposure to children who are carriers of these live pathogens. The teachers in the schools who've had the COVID-19 vaccines, the real ones, not the, not the placebo. The vast majority of people have had a placebo, not the real thing, but those that have the real one, unfortunately, they will die when exposed to these live pathogens. All right, of the animals right. in the mRNA test studies when they were exposed to uh, new pathogens after, the, after those experiments, all died. Yes. They all died. So all the people who had the vaccines, they all died when they're exposed to this. And AstraZeneca are bringing out a, a new, this this new, they call it, um, it's called Luenza Tetra. It's Tetra is quite an interesting word. AstraZeneca is an interesting word. You know, they like to on words. And the, uh, the children are going to be weaponized. And then they're going to come out with some other, you know, nonsense about children being toxic to all that people accept us to let's do whatever they want to do with the children. That's quite interesting, the, the plan. But the good thing is we know that plan. And if you know the, let's say, form of attack, because this isn't a symmetrical war that are waging against us. If you know that plan, then at least you can exist in some way once you get the knowledge. So that's what's I can say that it's very important. Knowledge and numbers are key to uh, overcoming this great evil. Yes, I, I agree. I totally agree. And and I, I see that. And it's really interesting. Um, they're, it's fascinating that they're, 
idea that they have this belief that they have to disclose and therefore get uh, consent, you know, from us. If we don't object, we're consenting. Uh, actually reveals their plan, which is, you know, it's hard to win a war when you know what the plan is of the enemy. Uh, it, it gets a little tough. So that, that's kind of interesting how this is actually working against them. But it is my belief that it is a total spiritual war and that the enemy in this case uh, is not terribly creative. They're, they're clever, but there's a big difference between clever and creative. And uh, so what we're seeing is a lot of cleverness and deception, etc., and word games and things like that. But if we can get people to, <coughs> excuse me, um, if we can get people to actually think about things, we're creative in solutions and creative in, in problem solving, and they're not. They, that's why they follow, that's why history repeats itself so much. They follow the same plan. Mm. So um, I actually, you know, want to talk a little bit about this, um, this magnetism a bit more. With, in particular, with how they're, what and how it works and how they're doing it, all, all of the above with our, our food supply and in particular meat. I went to the store and found three different types of meat that were very magnetic in a local Safeway store. Um, and yeah, that's very disturbing. So what's going on there? Well, if you... If you uh... Making meat magnetics, you know, the, the fact is that the meat is going to pass it through you. It's a little bit like the, um, you know, like the chemtrails and some of the uh, toxins that are in those chemtrails. These things, are, are, I don't see them as problematic as the vaccines. The, the bigger issue you have is a tacit agreement to die when you mm. take the vaccine. I mean, there was a... We had a document sent down uh, from the, uh, you know, from the National Health Service in the United Kingdom, and on the top, uh, it stated in very dark black, "Ipsos mori," which means they would die in Latin. So they were actually telling you in the document that if you participated in the test, you would die. And obviously, if you don't understand Latin, then you wouldn't know what "Ipsos mori" uh, meant. But actually, put it on the top of the document. I mean, which document, Mark? Mark, which document is this that that says you will die in Latin? It's uh, it was a document that was sent every household in the, in the United Kingdom from the National oh, Health oh. Service for the test for this oh, okay. uh, to be tested. Uh, and on the top of the document, it actually stated in Latin "Ipsos mori." Uh, so you know, the basic, you know, they're laughing. It, it, it's. You know, the people who are behind this think it's quite funny that there's a lot of people out there who don't know what Latin means, who don't mm -hmm. know what Ipsos Mori means, and therefore go along with being uh, party to that own death. Okay, yes. So, yeah, that, that whole tacit... I, actually, this is... Uh, so I want to not skip the meat, but I do... Okay, let's, let's finish the meat, and then I have a question, another one along these lines. So this, the, you're saying that the meat situation isn't as critical because it passes through you? I would, anything, anything like that, obviously they're trying to load you up with as much metal nanoparticulates as possible, probably just so that they can track you easier with the 5G network. Mm -hmm. But, okay. you know, like, like all of these things that they've, you know, they've thrown up to try and kill us uh, aren't working out very well for them. So, you know, like I said, my greater concern is the amount of people who are tacitly green, the ones that are wearing the masks, 
the satanic mask-wearing agenda, that's very, very problematic to me because the more people out wear the mask, then the more power they give to these cult members to carry on with the genocidal uh, death cult agenda. Okay, so that brings me directly to what I was wanting to bring up after this. Uh, the answer to that question is they, the suicide cult. And I have um, posted articles about this. Uh, a lot of people have reacted quite negatively. Uh, but um, I do believe that we're looking at a complete cult indoctrination on so many levels. The information coming at us, the way it's coming at us, the whole um, dehumanization of the masking, uh, everything from the physiological cutting off the oxygen, the front lobal critical thinking is cut off, uh, the immune system's suppressed. But psychologically, we're looking at the, a programming. We know that uh, in trauma and abuse, when they're going to, when they're grooming uh, people for sex trafficking, etc., that they're they're traumatized. Uh, and one of the ways is with a mask. They also use that to for slavery, to traumatize and to make them less than and to um, basically not make them fight back, right? So we've got all that going on. So uh, on the suicide cult, do you have any any views on that that you'd like to share with our audience? Or do you feel there's a suicide cult? I think you do. No, no, without a doubt. They're a, it's a, it's, it's a, they're a death cult. Um, and, you know, the... The interesting thing about this, you know, obviously Satan is the greatest deceiver. Satan's the greatest deceiver. And the people that have taken the satanic Kool-Aid, <laughs> that's what I was saying. It's quite funny, you know, uh, looking into this whole thing. It's a bit like, um, you know, the people that are actually pushing this whole agenda, they, they're actually going along with it. It's it, That's even really funny. The... Um, if you look at Baphomet, uh, the Baphomet uh, symbology, if you look at the tattoos on the Baphomet arms, it's mm -hmm. solve coagula. And that means the solution is the coagulation. So the coagulation of the blood, the clot shot. Wow. The clot <laughs> shot. I mean, we've done this for thousands of years. The clot shot is, is the demise. And you see Satan wants that souls. It's a soul collection. It's a soul collection agenda. Well, to get your soul, you've got to have your dead. So it's got, <laughs> got to be a death cult. So the death cult agenda is to have them dead. So Satan's going to have your soul. And if you go along with Satan's agenda, unfortunately, you're not well, going to survive well, much longer. Right. And I, I say to people um, uh, all the time, uh, you know, if, you're, if you are um, compliant you are complicit. They are the same. You, you, compliance equals complicity because, well, you know, if you're going along and I just am wearing the mask just to get along because it's, it's easier, well, then you're complicit and you're agreeing to, again, you have a tacit agreement with uh, this death cult and, 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 you know, the erosion of our freedoms and all that, that's all part of this, but that's kind of like the, the, the rails that the train's going down. That we have here. If you go along with any of this and you don't resist, you go along with any of it, then obviously you're party to the death cult agenda. Yes. Mm -hmm. and, that, and that's what I've been saying. And people don't take very kindly to that. I, 
I have to tell you, I'm not very popular for having that that view, but I think, you know, that it's correct that you cannot agree to any of it. You can't. I mean, I I refuse to put a mask on. I won't put a mask on. I you know, I live in California and I live in an extraordinarily liberal brainwashed area of California that's just off the charts. And, uh, you know, uh, my dear friend, Kinthea, uh, the two of us are, are, are kind of like a lone island out here. Uh, very, you know, it, it's amazing that people are still in completely brainwashed at this point. They still are there. So they've all bought into the cult. And uh, it's very sad to see what's going on here. And that the weird thing about it is, is that the cult members cannot hear any of this. Um, the brainwashing seems to be so complete with them that they cannot hear a different viewpoint. And is that your experience also? And we're, we're about a yes. minute from break. So <laughs> yeah. it's uh, well, it's 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 more of a, it's like a black magic spell. It's, mm -hmm. a, it's a black magic spell. Uh, they totally uh, sort of. Uh, involved in the whole thing and you know but that doesn't give them any excuse there's, there's no excuses in this i mean this this whole agenda as i know it to be it's all about redemption see everybody has the uh, opportunity to redeem themselves see we're not yet a judge i'm not yet to judge anybody uh, i'm just here to give people a message and that redemption is a matter for them so if they don't want to redeem themselves, well, it's going to get pretty hot where they're off to. <laughs> uh -huh. Well, Mark, we're at the bottom of the hour, and I want to bring Timothy in because I know he'll have some fabulous questions for you. Thank you, Annette. Mark, I do not wish to wear a hole in the carpet. I've been toying with these ideas, this concept, for the last couple of weeks with our previous guests. I'd like to bring up the subject of mercury and graphene oxide and i would like to ask you from your perspective uh, what you think they may or may not have in common and why they are included in these vaccinations or what, what people are calling vaccinations let me just say very quickly that if we look at mercury and which has traditionally been in many vaccines over the last few decades highly poisonous um, and an interface between radio frequency, uh, it's, it's electromagnetic effects, electrical effects, magnetic effects, and graphene oxide, in my opinion, seems to have all the same properties, maybe even superior properties, uh, and is equally toxic and harmful to human beings. So why, from, from your, your perspective, wouldn't, why on earth would they be in any vaccine at all, any injection at all? Well, that's a great point. Uh, why would they be? Uh, that we're only here to do biological harm. Um, and obviously, the mercury that's in them is in very small amounts, but you only need very, very small amounts to be toxic to the body. And we know from the science that these toxic levels build up over time. Because once they're in, they're in. So we've got multiple people, you know, older people being given more flu vaccines every year, get a booster shot. Uh, so we see more and more toxicity. See older people uh, suffering a lot of neurological disorders. Um, significant number of people uh, suffering dementia now. Well, they've been 
they've been exposed to these uh, metal contaminant pollutants. Mm-hmm. Externally, the body's very, very robust. It, 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 it um, you know, protects itself from external poisons, uh, obviously depending on what they are. But if you start to stick things in people, then it, 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 it takes, it makes the job a lot easier, let's say, to, to do more damage. And that's why we're seeing these, you know, mercury in, in, in vaccines and these other, nan- these other nanoparticles. Nanoparticles are quite interesting. What was, you know, going back to the serendipitous, uh, uh, my connection with this whole, let's say, weaponization of these different uh, projects. I actually worked for one of the larger oil and gas companies uh, a while ago. And when nanoparticles first came out, I was tasked to look at uh, certain nanoparticles. And my first, what was quite interesting, one of the first um, nanotube manufacturers in the world was Stevenson's Chemicals in Concept, which is about mm. two miles away from my office. One of the first, the first international conference on it on nanoparticulates was actually at the Gosford Park Hotel in Newcastle in the United Kingdom. Yes. I was at that event. And we were looking at scoping out nanoparticulates for the coating of pipelines, the potential for them to be coated in pipelines, and obviously from an oil and gas perspective. In the industry perspective, we're very, very safety conscious or were very safety conscious. And my first question was, had there been any studies, obviously because of those nanoparticulates, human, the human, uh, let's say, form had never been exposed to them before. My main question at that conference was, has there been any biological studies to see if, you know, that these nanoparticulates are safe? And what I was asking all that is the fact that there hasn't been there's been no studies at all on the biologic at that time. This was the early early days when uh, about over 15 years ago, when we saw nanoparticles. You know, when it got to the point where they could be manufactured, not just in a laboratory, but actually manufactured from an industrial perspective, where they would become useful to industry. In I was going to ask you, Mark. In how would it be useful to industry? I mean, let's just forget the sort of the medical issue at the moment. I'm not saying forget it. Let's just put it on pause for the moment. What would the possible use be? Uh-huh. I mean, having these nanoparticulates in a coating of a pipeline, is that purely to protect the pipeline or would these nanoparticulates actually be in the oil or in the in the gas flow itself so you could measure the uh, the path that the, the, you know, the, the liquid or the gas takes through the pipeline? Is there more to it than that then? Yeah, this 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 was specifically to uh, the project I was looking at was to uh, to try and coat the pipeline so where you get wear and tear pipelines where you could use the nanoparticulate. See, it, let's say I put a magnetic field ring mm-hmm. at, at a point in a pipeline where I could attract these nanoparticulates that could then embed on the internal surface of the pipe, and then the erosion where we could actually, you know, instead of actually having to cut out the pipe and replace it, we would repair it by using these types of materials. So it was a scoping out project at the time. We just walked away from the whole thing. Uh, the report that I did for one of the major oil and gas companies, we walked away from the whole thing due to the fact that there was no biological safety studies 
and this material could end up coming out of you know, out of a, uh, out of your kitchen cooker uh, yes. through the gas port. So we, it was we just totally discountable. Now, what actually led on from that was the whole graphene, because uh, obviously I had an interest in the whole field, and yes. uh, I actually went to Manchester. Uh, there was a friend of mine who was involved with the whole graphene project in Manchester. Now, I want to try and explain to people what graphene is. Graphene is a, a basic atomic layer of carbon uh, with uh, oxygen uh, sort of links in it. So that's what graphene is. And graphene was invented by two guys at Manchester University where they put a bit of sellotape on a carbon block on a graphite block. I remember seeing this on Tomorrow's World years ago. I mean, it, it's 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 been around for a while, but it seems it's now out in, in our reality. It's, well, gra- graphene to me, uh, I looked at it uh, very early on. Well, how do, you, how do you actually create a single atomically a lattice by putting a bit of cell on a sellotape on a graphite block? I mean, that was just absolute BS. <laughs> and they got a Nobel Prize for it. Unbelievable. Uh, so you've got to know about price for it. I mean, theoretically, it's like, well, you know, you talk about fantasy world. Anyway, we looked into, I looked into the whole graphene thing, and I wasn't too impressed. What we're really talking about in these uh, vaccines is carbon and oxygen. So there's carbon and oxygen uh, elements in the uh, in the vaccines. Um, I mean, we talk about reduced graphene oxide. Well, RGU is not, not GU, I can tell you, uh, one's absolutely nothing like the other. Uh, and I believe that the other chemical constituents, other metal chemical constituents, would be more concerning, let's say, aluminium. Large amounts of aluminium in some of these vaccines. Well, if I put aluminium in microwave radiation field, I, I don't suggest anybody get a bit of aluminium and stick it in your, <laughs> stick it in your, um, in your microwave oven and see what happens. Uh, it's not very, it's not very bad. I did an experiment. Uh, there was a guy, I was a scientist, I was having an argument with. He thought he had been quite clever because you do get some of these academics, you know, who unfortunately indoctrinated to the max. Um, and he said, along the lines of, there's not enough energy in that part of the spectrum to cause ionization uh, in the microwave radiation spectrum field. So, what I did, I cut up a few little bits of aluminium, stuck them in the microwave oven, and just sort of <laughs> and caused a bit of. Plasma and a bit of uh, bit of ionisation. Let's say it's quite uh, it's quite excitable when you see it happen. You know, I've been irritated. It sounds uh, like you made like a, a mini solar event in your kitchen. It was yeah. a little. Well, it wasn't in the kitchen. It was actually in the office. <laughs> I, wouldn't, <laughs> I wouldn't have a microwave in the house to run. But anyway, yeah, I did it in the office because obviously we do some experimentation here, uh, with materials. So consequently, I had a microwave oven and I did that. I just did it as a basic um, experiment to show how you can cause ionization right across the whole spectrum, unlike some, let's say, basic physics scientist types who believe that non-ionizing radiation see it. Non-ionizing radiation in its natural occurring um, its natural occurring state can be safe. I'm not saying it is always safe because it isn't. If I fly out in, in front of the sun, you know, it feels like it dies. It's not safe. Well, what I'm saying is man-made can be made to be the only 
start photons in a field, in a wave. I only have to start the photons in a wave, and that will cause ionization of about 13.5 electron volts. So mm. the whole narrative from non-ionizing area is not being, is being safe. Not being, this is absolute point, and it's just totally false. The industry perpetrates this all the time. And a lot of scientists, a lot of ignorant scientists do as well. Mark, where I'm going with this is I'm, I'm, I have the idea that these, both mercury and also graphene oxide, could be like a, an interface, an interface that sort of is built up in people's bodies, you know. Uh, through a cumulative effect, um, and over time, more and more of these, you know, materials will be building up, and at a certain point, maybe they can reach a, a critical mass. This is pure speculation, and when they do, they may be susceptible or may be guided by uh, radio frequency or electromagnetic effects. Uh, there was a a report in the Guardian. Uh, in 2016, which Joseph P. Farrell uh, focused on a, a couple of weeks ago in, in his weekly uh, podcast. And to cut a long story short, uh, what Joseph was, was highlighting is that a number of uh, experiments were carried out on mice whereby they were tested, they were injected with a, a, you know, a special uh, developed uh, um, series of cocktail of you know from hell and they were which would basically go in to their their system and uh actually i believe penetrate their blood brain barrier and when an electromagnetic electromagnetic effect was um given to them or when when they basically went around a uh, a pen which had an electromagnetic um, elements around it or, or something which could be switched on and switched off, this injection could release dopamine. So when the magnet was switched on, all the mice were hanging around this, this area where you know, the, the magnetism was, and they were all sort of hanging out and chilling out and saying, hey, man, this is great. This is great shit. You know, hey, look at this. You know, and that's when they switch it off, they'd all run around and just get on with their normal life again. Now, that is an injectable which can potentially release dopamine in, in a mammal. Now, let's just extrapolate this, extra, this is speculation a little bit further. Let's just say that that is potentially what could be being injected into people. Um, I would imagine, and again, this is all imagination, all speculation, but I'm just trying to join dots here to try and find a direction. So that would mean that the people that potentially have been previously vaccinated and the people that are being vaccinated through a cumulative effect have more of this uh, interface in them, which means that they could be potentially guided uh, to the point where they are, where they're quite happily asleep on their feet and queuing up at vaccine centers. Um, now, there's one element missing in this this little speculation, and that is the you know, where does the electromagnetic effect come from? Well, I mean, you know all about Li-Fi. You, you've told us in our previous show about that, and you've also told us about uh, Wi-Fi and uh, certain megahertz are more effective, more harmful than others. And we've talked about 4G and 5G, how 5G is a micro uh, wave and so on. So potentially, uh, what I'm trying to say is that 
are we, in my speculation here, are we really seeing a group of people who are being guided by outside forces? Annette was mentioning Voice of God earlier. Could this be the structure on which it's being performed? Uh, well, obviously, somebody's playing around with it to come up with that. Um, I'm pretty sure there's somebody sitting in a, in a, in a scientific institution actually having a wet dream over that. However, what I'm going to say, the biological illusion, the structure that we inhabit, as we believe it to be a biological structure, but it's nothing of the sort, it's an electromagnetic field. Trying to mess about with that, the sophistication of it, the creator's creation is magnificent. And it's far better than anything that Satan's ever going to come up or man-made. Consequently, trying to mess about with it, what you're going to see is total depth. I've seen the interface between machine and man, and it doesn't look pretty at all. So these, let's say, um, ideas or themes, which do make sense, make perfect sense, because obviously they do do experimentation like this and do show an effect, control an effect, what you'll see is death. And that's what we're seeing from these vaccines. So possibly the idea of controlling everybody on the planet to the cult members, you know, so they basically just become zombies or mm-hmm. slaves. What's going to happen is they're just going to die. Uh, so because of the, uh, you know, the levels of energy that you have to use at a biological level, what you operate on uh in the in let's say the biological structure that you perceive that you inhabit because the, the difficulty about having these type of conversations is you know the the illusion that you are in the in the in, there's a bit of what I call basic physics so there's the basic physics bit that you know uh can explain everything what we're talking about but then there's the reality of it which is the quantum world which basically is light radiation so there's two there's two really complicated conversations to have here, and you've got to treat, try and split them off from each other. So, yes, I agree there is a plan to try and control people like zombies. However, what's really going to happen uh, is that an awful lot of the biological structures that we're trying to control are going to just basically die, uh, and it's because they're trying to interface with a far more sophisticated system than what they perceive to be reality. Yeah, well, I mean, of course, this this is, you know, a Friday evening show and we're, we're trying to discuss some fairly complicated uh, speculative matters and in a very short time. So I'm, I'm not looking to sort of, you know, make a, a winning stroke here or anything like that. I'm just purely trying to join the dots because I'm still amazed. Every week I'm still amazed at how, you know, so... Some one group of the population of the planet seem to be absolutely adhered to their their masks, and they're so sure that they, you know, they're, they're so grateful to have had the vaccination. They're, mm. you know, recommending and so on. And I, I often say to Kintia and Anessa that, you know, we don't do this show for entertainment. This is not the reason we're doing it. We're doing it because we want to bring awareness. But if we're only bringing awareness to the same people every week, then it's not enough. So. One of the things I was very pleased to see, I was quite horrified, but also quite pleased to see, was a protest that happened uh, just a few days ago in in Newcastle. Now, I, I heard that you mentioned it in one of your 
recent podcasts. And also on the same day, I happened to see there was a letter written by a group of mothers and children who uh, wrote an open letter to the police, which is which is quite moving as well. But essentially, uh, you know, there was a peaceful process as far as I understand. I mean, it's, it's your neck of the woods more than mine. And certainly, I don't know, there, there's probably a, a spread of people through all walks of life who were attending this pe peaceful protest, but they were met with very aggressive uh, police and also riot squad, I believe, who, which which started to look like a scene out of Australia. Uh, I was there. Um, the, the police attacked the protesters for no other reason. They just felt like they wanted to attack them. They got them to the point where, and this is why it's really important that people come out in numbers. The bit about before, about, you know, people going, time we're out, or the actually here. You know, there may be a biological structure in this illusion, but all the real have the assault. You know, is there anything there? Because, you know, what I find great difficulty is trying to work out, I mean, all the scientists, all the leading scientists support what we're, our position, not not the full member's position. Uh, the mask wearing, you know, the Fauci stuff, everything that's on the table, everything that's come out, you know, the the emails, the, I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous how anybody, any real living, breathing, soulful person could actually even contemplate this as being a, a, a sort of a real event and not just a, a, well, a very well-established and well-crafted books. That's what I can't get my head around, the, the, the amount of people. So I have to ask the question, are these people real? Are they, I mean, do they have source? Are they connected to source? Or have they no connection with source? Are they just, you know, um, ex accessories in the in the film that they're in? I think that's a very valid question. And I think it's one that we should, uh, we should certainly develop further in future conversations. But uh, in incredibly... Mark, we've uh, already come to the end of the runway on this particular show. And uh, it's been absolutely fascinating. And I feel that we're just literally sc scraping the surface in the beginning again. <laughs> but uh, I think that's a positive reflection of you and your experience and your knowledge. So I'd like to uh, thank you very much and offer you the opportunity to share with our listeners any events or any any literature or any, any you know potential opportunities there are for you to, to 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 connect with them is there anything you'd like to share with us well if anybody wants any of the knowledge uh that can go to the uh, save us now website um it's uh .uk. Um, there's a number of videos on there i would suggest anybody that doubts the veracity of what we're talking about or to watch the uh, Stu Peters and Dr. David Martin video uh, that's on that website, as well as some of the other uh, documented uh, evidence, as well as some of the other videos that were put up there. There's obviously some of them are extremely important and join up all the dots about what we've been talking about for a very, very long time. Unfortunately, you know, when I first started speaking out about the weaponization of and the secret militarized armaments and residential technology, it was very, very difficult for a lot of people to get their head around, and I got that. But today, it's far more easy to 
understand that there is a globalist agenda. It is to destroy uh, all private wealth, to take everything from everybody. We only have to look at the uh, World Economic Forum agenda. Uh, by 2030, you'll have no personal wealth. You won't be able to drive a car. That's if you're still alive. The vast majority of the people on the planet will not be alive by then. The people who actually tacitly agree to uh, die by taking this, uh, this clot shot. So that's where we're at. Um, as I said, it's, it, it can be pretty um, uh, upsetting for people to hear some of the things that I say, but what I'm going to say is be positive. You know, if you're on the right side, if you're on the right side, you will come through this. You know, if you're on the right side, doing the right things, standing up for liberty, standing up against injustice, and doing the right thing, you will come through this. If you're not sitting on the fence and doing as you're told and going along with it, we'll see you dead. That's just a symbol. Everything you feared will come to pass if you sit on your hands. And I think that's about as uh, much as I can actually say. True words. Thank you very much, Mark. Despite the initial unpleasant realisation of the truth, you will see there is light at the end of the tunnel. There is an increasing number of respected journalists, writers, politicians, doctors, lawyers, influencers, artists, activists and innovators who are wide awake and are already making great impact. All they require from you is to unplug from mainstream and social media propaganda, to make your own independent research, to stop acquiescing and to stand up for what you believe in with respect to others. Remember, you were born with power and you wake up each day with power. It is entirely up to you how you choose to retain or give it away. You've been listening to another live broadcast of The Other Side of the News. This 72nd edition is entitled Weaponized Whispers and remains available to all listeners free of charge at www.theothersideofthenews.com. My name is Timothy Saunders, and together with Kintia and Annette Driscoll, offer special thanks to our return guest, Mark Steele. We wish you all a very positive week and look forward to reconnecting with you on our next edition next Friday. And as we say goodnight, we will leave you with an excellent new track from Eric Clapton, a man who embraced the vax twice and is reported to have fallen very sick twice. Apparently, he even lost use of his hands at one point, which is an ironic take on his album, Slow Hands. I'm now delighted to say he has made a recovery and has very clearly decided to share his thoughts and his recent experiences with the rest of the world. The music is sounding great, and the video is also right on target. Enjoy. But this has got to stop. Enough is enough. I can't take this BS any longer. It's gone far enough. You wanna claim my soul? You'll have to come and break down this door. I knew that something was going on wrong when you started laying down the law. I can't move my hands. I break out in sweat. I wanna cry. Can't take it anymore. But this side's gotta stop. Enough is enough. I can't take this BS any longer It's gone far enough 
you wanna claim my soul, you'll have to come and break down this door. I've been around a long, long time, I've seen it all, and I'm used to being free. I know who I am, try to do what's right, so lock me up and throw away the key. But this time's gotta stop, enough is enough. I can't take this BS any longer.